Tired of the same old job? Looking for extra income or another side hustle? The foreign exchange and crypto markets trade at $5.3 billion a day, five days a week. Nick Urban can teach you how to make the money in the Forex and crypto markets all from your phone. Give him a call today at 203-814-8420. He's more than happy to explain how to chase the dream of the five to six figure a month opportunity. So hit up Nick Urban and I'll leave all the links you need in the description. Thank you all for tuning into the JB show this week. Feel free to subscribe, write a review, and most importantly, enjoy the show. All right. So, um, First off, I was looking over LinkedIn and I heard you were one of the first ones to kind of take over the fidget spinner industry. <laughs> Lead off with that. I want to hear true. all about it. And I heard you grew your Instagram to 100,000 follows. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a senior in college finishing my degree and I always collected like knives and like weird little trinkets and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes I look up like dope ones on Instagram or like cool things that I like. And I saw these weird little like fidget spinner slash toy things mm. and I thought they were kind of cool. So I reached out to some people. I told them like I would do marketing for them. I would like to introduce it to like other people. Um, and this was when it first started. So yeah, th- yeah, this was just like, I just kind of saw it randomly. I'm like, oh, these are kind of cool. Like no one really got it. I was just like always yeah. like, I don't know, <laughs> like always like a little shifty with my hands, I guess. So it like made sense to me. So when I reached out to these guys, they were like, one was like an older dude in Ohio and he was like working out of a shop, like in his backyard. Yeah. So he didn't really have much internet experience. And I reached out. I did all of his marketing for a fee. Uh, for and wait, where did you find this guy, though? I just found him. I was looking up like fidget spinners and different, okay. I guess, like, yeah, fidget spinners, which yeah. I guess all you can really call it, like mm-hmm. hand toys on Instagram and on Facebook and like other things just to see what was up. Yeah. Because like I wanted to get one for myself. And I'm like, oh, like these aren't really out there yet. Like maybe I can help. So I found this one guy on Etsy. Uh, was the first guy and I started I took like a 20% fee for each one I helped sell oh wow that's um, how much what was the market price been like five bucks or no no they would sell though these were higher end ones these would sell for like 50 to 80 bucks wait so, wait what qualifies as a higher end uh, I mean better? he was like hand <laughs> these were handmade at the time oh, okay. so like this was before they were in the Chinese factories oh, yeah, like now they, they cost like 25 cents but yeah. at the peak dude I was selling some for like 250 dollars no 300 dollars yeah like handmade and metal on ones. campus or dude, I didn't I didn't really even advertise on campus at all. It was all through what Instagram. Kid would spend yeah, I mean I had cheap ones spinner. as well. Yeah. Uh, like ten dollar, five, ten dollars. You always have them in your backpack in class, just handing them. <laughs> dude, honestly, right it wasn't it wasn't even really like that. It was mostly through online sales. Yeah. Like it wasn't I had uh, Instagram bots kind of that would reach out to other people in the categories, like knife related categories, or if you looked up fidget spinners and it would say like, Hey, like check out our site or check out our, uh, page and we'll give you some sort of discount or we'll give you a free product. And that was really good with conversion. I, um, I, that really helped me grow. I had my Instagram page. I was probably posting like five videos a day of just like fidget spinner stuff, fidget related things. Were you just, were you filming the videos yourself? Or? Yeah, I would, if there was like a viral one, like I remember there was one, someone made an iPod, like a fake Apple spinner. Yeah. And I reposted it and it got like 10,000 likes or something. Seriously? Yeah. And they're like, oh, where do I get this? Where do I get this? I'm like, wow. I mean, I was kind of just like trolling a little, but yeah. <laughs> it got a lot of views. And as it was starting to take off, like the price really wasn't established yet. So I actually raised my minimum price 
Cause I started making them myself. I ended up having after marketing for two people, I'm like, wow, like I can actually make some money doing this. Yeah. So I started off with one 3d printer kind of learned from so wait, you, you got a, you bought a 3d printer. <laughs> I had three at my peak. <laughs> oh my I had three 3d printers in my little dorm that I shared with four people. Or did your friends just think you were up to something big? Or? They, I mean, my, my roommates knew I was doing like weird fidget spinner shit. Yeah. Like they knew I was <laughs> selling weird things online. They're like, Oh, that's like whatever. Yeah. Um, like even when I would go out and stuff, I would have my little robots like running, you know, do a, have them on like a four hour print and just print other ones. So when I get back, they would have like a new set ready. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, that grew from marketing to other people to trying to learn how to make them myself. And yeah, I grew it to over a um, hundred thousand followers at the peak. And I had, I made over a hundred thousand in revenue, um, pretty good profit margins as well. And most Did you get it, 20% of the hundred thousand or I got much more than that. Cause that was, I started making them on my own, uh, after oh, I learned yeah, about the marketing 3D printer. Yeah. Yeah. So when I would do that, I actually, uh, started ordering them from China, like Chinese factories. These Chinese manufacturers would reach out to me. Uh, so I would talk to these manufacturers and they would have these different models and then, you know, range from five to 10 to $20. And then I could sell them, you know, for 40, $50 and sometimes even more depending on the quality and, you know, other random aspects that people like. And it's kind of just like anything where yeah. the collectible market, especially like for me, I found it through collectible knives, like pocket knives. Um, there's a low end and there's a high end and it's still around. It's kind of dying out. I sold my company actually like probably a year and a half ago for not a ton of money, Yeah. but I made, you know, a lot of profit along the way and sold the Instagram and sold the, I the checked night, out their website the today. Uh, yeah. Just so around, yeah. I haven't been on that website in, in probably at least a year. Actually, <laughs> I haven't updated it in a while. Okay. So I, I sold it, um, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, right as, you know, once I, once I stopped being able to compete with China, once they were producing at like such a cheap scale and such a high scale where they would sell like, you know, four for a dollar, it's like, okay, no one's buying a $20, $50, $100 fidget spinner anymore besides like an extremely niche market. But that's actually the same time I started learning about crypto, um, about Ethereum. So I was kind of just reinvesting my money back into the company, buying more 3d printers. You know, I didn't do enough paid advertising, which I think if I took advantage of that, I could have grown it a lot more. So know, what, through what platforms are you uh, Social media platforms are the best. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Like like I said, I think if with knife people, which was like my thing, if I just did paid advertising where every time someone looked up like pocket knife on Instagram, it would pop up. I think going- You can uh, filter the search? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You can do really specific searches. Same with Facebook. All right. I mean, um, you have to get into Facebook because we ran one Instagram ad and it yeah. blew up pretty pretty well. Yeah. Other than that, um, we haven't messed around with it too much. Yeah. Another thing that was... Is that how you... Wait, how did you grow your following base to, to that status just for people that want to know that are starting So it was... For me, it was just constant content, like posting every day. And I also sent out a ton of free spinners to people on YouTube like, so there's like, that's so smart. There's knife videos, like pocket knife. <laughs> yeah. There's everything, dude, on YouTube. Dude, Every they, little there has niche. To be, yeah. But they get hundreds of thousands. There's one guy that has hundreds of thousands of followers. Dude, you know, just shows pocket knives. Yeah. Like pocket knives, like other random things. So I'd be like, hey, like, here's a fidget spinner we make. I'd love for you to, you know, plug it test it out on YouTube, tell us what you think. And every single time I would see a huge spike. Like there were days <laughs> where I was literally like sitting in class and I had like a thousand dollar day where I sold like probably like 30 fidget spinners, 40 fidget spinners. And I was like, who what? is buying all of these fidget uh, spinners? But were you also <laughs> sitting in class being like, why the fuck am I here right now? Yeah, I mean, I actually, so when I graduated, I accepted a consulting job, like a government consulting job. Yeah. Um, and I decided that I wanted to pursue fidget spinners at that time. 
which at that time seemed okay. Okay, Like I didn't think I would be in as much competition with bigger brands like the Chinese companies in the end. I thought I'd be able to like establish a niche brand, yeah. which like again, uh, I might've been able to do if I did more marketing, like uh, paid marketing instead of just organic type stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, between that and getting into cryptocurrency, I kind of just like dove headfirst into like seeing how I can make money myself and up until now, it's been really good. I mean, I've got a lot of experience with marketing and learning. I mean, you know, I've seen you up. post some incredible articles, especially on LinkedIn. One yeah. about the transaction fee from PayPal to... Is that oh, PayPal? yeah. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Cause, yeah, so exactly. just for people that don't know that much about crypto, I want to hear about your journey kind of into it when you discovered it and mm-hmm. how you capitalized on it as well. So Yeah. So what you're mentioning is a art, like not even an article, more like a blurb I wrote on LinkedIn just to you know notify people and show them about different capacity and capabilities cryptocurrencies can do but it was like how much cheaper it was yeah, to you send just saw him. i'll just cut that a little bit out just pull yeah, this I'm like sorry back. no you can just pull it back closer to you so it's way easier yeah all right okay. <laughs> and then you can back up a tiny bit if it's uh, too much in your face yeah, but yeah we're no, it's cool just roll through okay so bitcoin yes okay so this transaction we were talking about was a five million dollar bitcoin transaction uh, compared to like $800 I had to send through PayPal. Yeah. So PayPal charged me, I think like four or $5 to send $800, which isn't crazy. Um, if I would have sent, you know, half the price, it still would have been three or $4 in fees, but through Bitcoin, through other decentralized programs, you can send, uh, amounts, transactions that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, instantaneously for half the price, a third of the price. I mean, the long-term Which goal platform is... platform is it Coinbase usually that people... So you don't even need to use any wallets like that. Those are all controlled by companies. How okay. it works is... I'm, I'm just so unfamiliar yeah, with this. Yeah, it's kind of like a bank account that no one controls, where you have an address that you control. And what I mean by no one controls, I mean there's no central control. So there's no one company that can say, we don't like what you're doing or we think your activity is suspicious, so we're going to suspend all of this activity. So instead, it's just validated by every single person taking part in the network yeah. uh, in the same way that a regular company would validate a transaction. But this is done through many people to guarantee that it can't be traced or stopped in any you know, meaningful way. So that's why a lot of countries like Russia, like Iran, you know, you hear about people using it for illicit transactions. That's because, yes, you can use it for these capabilities. You can use it in a censorless manner. But it also allows just instantaneous transactions for anyone, anywhere. So, yeah, it allows really cheap, fast transactions. Um, For the U.S. dollar, for people in America and for people in Europe and with really strong, stable currencies, Mm -hmm. it's not as viable now, especially with the technology in the state where it is. Like, the end goal is for it to be as simple as sending an email, essentially, where you don't care that it's blockchain, you don't care that it's Bitcoin, you just know that your value is being transacted instantly and that no one can stop it and that it's pretty much free. Uh, you know, it'll be a couple cents ranging to, you know, that's really the end goal. It should be a few cents. And there are different platforms being built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain, like the so Lightning So what's a good Network. beginner starting guide, would you say? The good beginner starting guide, I would say, is look up what is Bitcoin, what is blockchain, and what is Ethereum, which is a smart contract platform. Okay. Uh, what a smart contract is, is pretty much a pre-programmed digital contract. So let's say me and you want to do a deal. We write it into this contract. Once the deal is executed, it decides to give you the money and give me the product. And, you know, we don't have to do that through any intermediary. So okay. there's no one that can stop it. Um, 
Which does, yeah, I mean, that allows you to do a lot of things with it. And one of the biggest use cases right now is in countries that are really struggling with, you know, financial institutions and corruption. So I like to say Bitcoin is kind of a hedge against corruption in the sense that when governments issue fiat currency, like what you're seeing in Venezuela, um, you have a country that can continually print as much money as they want. So if you're making $100 one week, the value of that's going to be 75 the next week, then $50, then $25. And that's literally what we're seeing where you yeah. can't afford meat and you can't afford rice to feed your family. So what this allows you to do is have a value, a store of value, a transferable store of value that is all predetermined and can't be changed. So you know through algorithms and through mathematical stability that is all pre-programmed exactly how much money is going to be in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So although the price isn't determined, that's based on the market and based on the value people see and how much use it has. Um, in terms of uses, it can be, yeah, I mean, there's really, as a, as, a, as a hedge against corruption, as a way to keep your value safer compared to a corrupt government or something that's taking advantage of your money, it's a much uh, safer and easier way. Wow, that's definitely a lot yeah, to Yeah, I kind of stumbled through that at the end. No, of I'm bit. just not too familiar with crypto, so I'm just sure. trying to learn kind of from from the yeah. from the bottom. I know. Sure. Uh, I have one friend that kind of struggled with the idea of using it as like an investment portfolio for like mm -hmm. something with sports, but I've sure. never. Yeah, I so just yeah. heard it's just like you can get around the transaction fee. <laughs> a lot of that. Stuff. So that's one aspect of it. There's a lot of non-financial aspects of it. It took me honestly when I first discovered Ethereum. It was probably two or three months before I was when like, was how this? is this? Like, what year were you at? It was, I was in Vermont with my friends. It was like 2016. So you were a the senior winter of in college? I was the senior in college. Maybe the winter of 2017. Okay. Uh, Ethereum was at $10. So it was 2016. Yeah. So it was Bitcoin and Ethereum just big in the talk and news and you just saw the opportunity to jump right on it or it really wasn't. I had a friend who discovered it and he was like really into it and was trying to explain it to me. I'm like, Oh, this is bullshit. Like yeah. how is this any different than PayPal? Like blah, blah, blah. But once learning about what the different capabilities that cryptocurrency and blockchain technology can actually provide outside of even transfer of value and being able to reduce fees and stop, you know, centralized powers from controlling it. Yeah. I can go into that deeper as well. Um, <laughs> Maybe in a little bit. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> Dude, I'm just yeah, like, I, yeah, I wish I was more familiar with this uh, stuff. And now it's going to give me a reason to go all in. Yeah. I feel like I'm going on tangents a little bit. No, so it's, if you it's exactly to, what it's uh, supposed to be. It's not supposed to be on uh, a certain track. If you want me to explain anything deeper, just let me know. No, you're good. But yeah, I mean, in terms of sports betting and like you were saying, other decentralized. Yeah, because now I heard that you can sports bet with cryptocurrency in yeah. instead. So does that really save money in your pocket, would you say? or? Yeah, so, so what that does instead of, I mean, there is the transfer fee that you're talking about, but for gambling specifically, as well as casino gambling, what it does is allow you to see immutably, which means like unchangeably, what the platform is putting out. So let's okay. say... Let's say you're playing poker or let's say you're spending you're uh, setting odds on a on a game. Mm -hmm. If you're gambling online, you don't really know if the casino is rigging your hand, how they're manipulating the back end of the coding, you know, if they're taking advantage of you, if they're going to change the odds on you, <laughs> if they're going to keep your money. Yeah. Like how do you know if you're sports betting right now, you might just input $500 and then they just lock you out and yeah. there's nothing you can do. So with cryptocurrency, it kind of allows an escrow in the sense that with smart contracts, which is what Ethereum is, which is pre-programmed digital contracts, if any of those stipulations are invalidated or like not happening, 
like if you set your bet and then they decide to change the odds, that would break the contract. So you would automatically receive your currency back. Okay. Uh, in the same way that once you make a bet uh, and the bet's locked in, if you win, there's no waiting period. You don't have to you know, wait for them to give you U.S. dollars. It's automatically pre-programmed where they're going to need to have that asset available to pay out automatically. So you kind of will both be putting your assets in storage in like a middle an escrow, in escrow account, exactly. Yeah. And once the outcome is determined, then it'll automatically release. So it saves time and it saves hassle. That's what I see as well for for sports. I think for casinos and for poker, what it allows you to do is see the coding and the contracts and being developed. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, not you, but anyone that can read coding, which isn't me either. Yeah, can I v- cannot read coding but whatsoever. Th- yeah, I mean, it's very <laughs> challenging. Like there's third-party validators, whether it be PWC or an auditor, that can look over the code and say, yes, this is promising exactly what it says. They're not going to say that they have a two and then change it to an ace and then take all your money. Yeah. So although we might not be able to actually see the trustlessness of it, there'll be other people that validate that it's actually used how it's supposed to in the okay. same way that we don't know that our emails aren't being hacked by Google or aren't being, you know, abused, but we trust the system and we trust other validators and other big companies that use it to establish our knowledge and our trust in the system. So that's what it's going to end to right now. It's a lot of more tech people and more computer focused people that are involved. Okay. But, and that's one of the biggest barriers to entry right now is that it's pretty hard if you're an average, you know, computer user, an average guy, average girl to get involved or to buy it. Uh, or to use it really, so that yeah needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, one of the biggest steps. So educating, to of course. Educating is huge. Yeah, p- telling people why it's different than traditional currency and what the benefits are compared to traditional currency, and then just making it easier for people to use to store. I mean, I haven't had much money in my bank account for like the last two years. Like besides paying my bills and paying my credit card fees or whatever, like yeah. It's mostly just locked up in crypto because I'd rather have it in that asset, even compared to the U.S. dollar. I'd rather, you know, put my value and put my my work into that and put what what I've earned into that. So, so right after yeah. uh, you graduated college, you started on the path with. Were you still doing the fidget spinners, or is that? So yeah, I was still doing the fidget spinners for a, probably about six months out of school. Okay, and yeah. then you took the chance to move to London, right? So that was a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, there was like a five month period in between where I was kind of, you know, I was doing my fidget spinners. I was just learning about crypto. I was getting more involved. I was, you know, reaching out to people and marketing myself. And I eventually ended up getting in touch with a guy who runs a crypto based hedge fund in New York um, and has an office in Switzerland as well. But oh, that's sweet. So you were able to work from remotely or yeah, yeah. I, I did all, yeah. Contractually remotely. That's crazy. Um, which so was really you nice. You just took <laughs> off and kind of went to London. Did, were yeah. you scared at any point for, from like a philosophical basis of kind of <laughs> leaving for a bit or how was that experience? I was definitely nervous. I mean, the main reason I went to London was to, I mean, to travel, but to also be with my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and to just work remotely and just, you know, be able to do it while I'm young, especially with the ability that I had to work from my computer. There was no point just to like limit myself to Philly. Yeah. Um, as well as networking and blockchain uh, capabilities and, and technology and companies, it's much more established in London and New York than in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So 
just as well as Philly tech space is growing. Uh, it's growing. It's definitely it's going to take some time though, for sure. It's not yeah. like Boston or New York or San yeah. Fran whatsoever, but yeah, but like London, London, New York, like Tokyo, those are still, I mean, now hopefully Zug and Estonia are the crypto capitals yeah. of the world. I want to hear about your process of thought of going to Israel. So you went on birthright, right? Yeah. Yeah. When did you do that? And how did you decide to kind of go back? So first I went on a trip with my family, which was a ton of fun. We just When was that? This was in 2014. Okay. So we were, yeah, I mean, my brother and sister were still in high school. Mm-hmm. I was I was young. And we just toured around. I really enjoyed it. I, I wasn't, I'm not very religious, and I wasn't super in touch with my Jewish roots. Yeah. And I've definitely grown to appreciate the culture more and, like, just where I've come from and what my past is and like just learn to respect that like the people I've came from used to not necessarily believe these ways and follow them a hundred percent, but this is the traditions that they've based their life on. And that's yeah, you know, no, one true. of the reasons I'm here. Yeah. Uh, you have to be a little bit for, for me, the trip I went on was great. It just, no one's focus is right there. So yeah, maybe in a couple <laughs> years I'll regret not going when I'm a bit older, but um, I'll definitely see myself going back. Yeah, so I I liked the I loved obviously that part, and yeah. then I went back for birthright, which was me and like eight of my yeah, brother, my frat brothers. Yeah, literally, so, so much fun. Probably that was just us being stupid and yeah, reckless. Exactly what mine in like was. five thousand year old cities. Yeah, <laughs> like that was pretty cool. That yeah. was definitely a lot of fun because you know you get to tour around with them and see all the cool shit and go hiking. But and then at night you get to get hang drink, out, go out, have yeah, fun. Yeah, go drink. Uh, You're yeah. not allowed to get drunk technically. Or, yeah, sometimes you would be allowed uh, to leave the hotel, but at the end of the day it's a free trip no one's watching yeah if you're smart you know (laughs) just be smart about it and uh you'll be fine is the main aspects but it's so much fun i mean if if you don't take up a free trip like yeah and and at this point i think there's like 10 different programs where they'll even offer it up to like 30 35 years old and i didn't even go through my school i went through ohio state yeah yeah Yeah, so i I just (laughs) i just hopped on with my stepsister and it was ended up being a fucking great time yeah it's so so much fun and um that's actually when i decided to study abroad there I oh, lived, you studied abroad in... Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I met my girlfriend. That's where I lived there for six months. That kind of established my, like, love of Tel Aviv and just the city and buying, being by the beach and the Tubi, which yeah. is a special Israeli liquor that yeah. has been growing. I tried that. It's, like, really, <laughs> like, black licorice, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. like, lemony and yeah, licorice, yeah. and it gets you really, really messed up. Yeah, I know. This girl in meat... Uh, uh, she was like a soldier on her trip and she just yeah. like handed me she's like try this and i tried yeah. and i was like holy fuck what is this shit <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i still talk with a few of the soldiers same like with me. four or five years yeah. later which is awesome I'm trying like, to it's like really cool. it's tough though because yeah it is uh, maybe once every couple weeks yeah i mean they're not my best friends like yeah. it's not you know maybe but maybe you know once every couple you know even months or longer but yeah, i, mean, I saw you, them when i visited w- yeah but now you're America. going back you can just totally yeah, yeah i'll hit them up <laughs> so what's your plan for going back so i'm working remotely i'm looking to same company or yeah yeah, yeah, I'm looking to expand myself as well with advisory as well as portfolio managers management services that I already offer. Um, I'm look, I mean, Tel Aviv is one of the biggest hubs for finance and tech, and you know, just overall innovation in the world. So they've also established much clearer cryptocurrency and blockchain regulations compared to a lot of com- countries like even America and Europe. Um, and one of the aspects I'm focusing on in blockchain a lot is asset tokenization, which no is, idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much taking a tiny portion of equity, whether it be in real estate, a company, a piece of art, a nice bottle of whiskey, and then putting it into crypto. Yeah. And you make a tiny market out of it. So it's you like can like a 401k plan, but for crypto. 
<laughs> I don't in, know about that, but <laughs> so like imagine you want to invest in Berkshire Hathaway, right? Yeah. So one Berkshire Hathaway um, stock is over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So if I own that in the future, I'll be able to tokenize, which is make digital representations of oh. a portion of that asset. Okay. So I could make five tokens representing 1% each and sell those for a thousand dollars. So now I have freed up liquidity. You get exposure to Berkshire Hathaway and we do this in a seamless way, 24 seven with no one being able to stop, uh, being able to stop us as an intermediary. Uh, you can do that with real estate. So, you know, if you have $5,000, if you have $100 and you want to invest in Manhattan real estate, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, these platforms are already getting built. We'll be able to get involved in those types of uh, transactions. Yeah, that would be actually ridiculous. Yeah, so we're going to have like these little micro portfolios. It could uh-huh. be even involving sports cards. It can be involving, you know, old cars, racehorses. It could be involving almost any asset, gold, silver, Pretty much anything you can think of that has tangible value, you can sell a minority stake as a digital representation. And through these predetermined contracts, it'll all be set in an escrow service, essentially. Mm -hmm. So you'll have access to this money if you sell 1% of your asset. But then they're guaranteed to, if you sell it, they get their representation back. Or if you're gaining profits, or if let's say if you're tokenizing real estate, then they get a portion of the rent. Or if you sell it, they get a portion of those profits. So it allows you to free up liquidity as the seller and it allows extra exposure for buyers that previously weren't allowed, which is, uh, I think, a really, really huge capability that we haven't been able to see before that blockchain kind of unlocks. Yeah, my mind's just (laughs) blown right now. Yeah, I mean, if you have 100 bucks, you'll be able to own, you know, uh, Central Park property in a few years, hopefully, 0.001%. So do you think it would be better to get in on that right when it opens up rather than wait on it? Just because I know with the Bitcoin fad, I think I was a senior in high school. My economics teacher played a video saying that Bitcoin was worth $800 (laughs) literally last year. Or like two years ago, I was sitting in the library with my friend who was like, what, worth like 13,000? So almost 20,000. Yeah. So it's just like, I literally, we all watched it go, yeah. through our eyes and we all knew it was coming so um you think there's any other fads like that coming through again or yeah i mean the crazy thing is is so bitcoin started out extremely extremely cheap you know a few cents micro cents like there's an infamous purchase of ten thousand bitcoin for one pizza that was the first purchase using cryptocurrency mm-hmm. so it's like a hundred million dollar pizza now and as you know, once Bitcoin broke $100, people were like, oh my God, it went from a couple cents to $100. This is crazy. You know, it's going to drop back down to nothing. It can't be worth this. And they said that at $500, they said that at $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. Yeah, they get you keep know where saying it's all it actually does. And they're like, oh, we're right. So it depends. Depends how you look at it. If you're just blindly investing, First off, none of the things I'm saying are financial advice. They're just my opinion. Yeah. So anything I Get anything you way. do is on you. Do your own research. That's very important. Don't invest without your own research. But as an investment, um, if you compare it to gold as a store of value and as a transfer of value, gold is a seven to eight trillion dollar market compared to Bitcoin, which is about a hundred billion dollars. Um, So it depends where you see it going. I mean, if you see Alipay and WeChat in China, which are digital apps, they're centralized, but it allows you to do the same instant type of transaction, except it's controlled by a company, uh, a Chinese company that the Chinese government probably has their hands in and can stop your bank account if they really want to. But yeah, I mean, it depends where you think it's going to grow. I mean, if you look at Venezuela, if you look at African countries, if you look at even Brazil and, and relatively stable countries, 
you know, it depends how much you trust their government and if you think there's going to be a recession soon and what you think is going to be the more volatile asset. Because these countries like, you know, Brazil, Venezuela, if they decide to inflate their currency, their civilians and their citizens are just, they're exposed and there's not much they could do. And traditionally, they'd just be left in the streets. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what the Great Depression was. But, you know, this allows you to put your value and your assets in your own hands and see, you know, that that money can't be manipulated. You know, that money is going to be predetermined and set and print at a rate that won't change and can't change. So that's things that we're really lucky that we don't have to think about as Americans right now because we've had a stable currency for an extremely long time, and I think we will for a long time. And I don't think Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is going to ever fully replace that. But I think as an alternative uh, transfer of value, especially if you have to send money overseas or especially, you know, like I said, if you're exposed to, to unjust governments, it's going to continue to grow. And I think that's why we've seen it drop from 20000 to 3000 and now it's back up to 10000 because a million times people are going to say, oh, Bitcoin's dead. You know, it's done. It's finally over. This experiment is done. And it always rises back up because it really does supply a lot of value to people that don't have access to other means. So yeah, I like Bitcoin. I definitely <laughs> yeah. like Bitcoin. <laughs> no, I can. And totally that's just tell. like the tip you of the iceberg. Hear? I know. <laughs> that's just getting. That's like, like stage one. If I was one. more knowledge, knowledgeable about it, I think this debate could get uh, like yeah. more interesting. I just it's more me learning yeah. about this whole thing, which is a yeah, point that, for me too, which is absolutely great. I think but you can hear that. You can us, hear yeah. the uh, passion in <laughs> one's voice when someone's yeah. really. Uh, like obsessed with s- something. Though. Yeah. <laughs> obsessed is a close word. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think it's a really, really powerful tool that people don't have full access to yet just because it's technologically hard to use. Yeah. But I think it's going to continue to get is easier. Is mining still around or no? Yeah. Mining's huge. Mining. Do you need like a h- huge fucking computer like warehouse or do you need a warehouse full of <laughs> I don't even what's what is the base of a computer again with like a yeah monitor. like a motherboard yeah motherboard do you need like multiple of those things for mining so or no? there's multiple different ways of mining I actually did some mining there's proof of work which is this type of stuff you're talking about yeah. that's when you use a computer and computer energy to validate an algorithm so you have to constantly have it running you don't necessarily need a warehouse but you do need it's going to be really hot like it my friend had a little mining rig set up probably about 6 of them and it was like worse than a heater like it makes your apartment 90 degrees just cuz it's really you have fans going on though yeah it didn't help like it was really he had to stop just cuz it was like too overheating and yeah. that that's obviously a problem there's also something called proof of stake which instead of validating it with computer power, you validate it by putting up a portion of your asset as leverage, essentially. So if you validate a wrong transaction, and if you lie to try and push something that's not true, you lose your portion of your leverage. Yeah. So that's a cheap way where you just need to set up a computer program. You don't need any excess energy, and you can mine directly from your your computer. So I've mined... I've mined multiple coins directly, you know, at the same time, just from a, from a Windows and a Mac. So that that's getting more efficient. Proof of work is what you're talking about. That's still around. And that is a little more complex to get started of, uh, get started with. But proof of stake, which is, like I said, putting up a little bit of leverage, is the future of mining. And it's a much more energy efficient way is to do it. Is your brother familiar with crypto at all? Like, Daniel, <laughs> do you like inform him at all? Or? I, you know what? I told him... I told him two years ago he should start the Penn State Cryptocurrency Club. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I just have to find my friends that want to do that. Yeah. 
Once um, I showed him like the podcast and he was uh, pretty interested. And then I wanted to get him on when he came to New York City, but yeah. and then I just texted him like, "Dude, your brother's LinkedIn posts are some like crazy, <laughs> like cool shit." So he's just like, "You should have him on." I was <laughs> like, "When am I gonna see him?" And then you texted me that you're coming to New York City. I was like, "No fucking way!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah, it worked out well. But you were saying that um, it's funny because you don't like need someone else to to really get something started for yourself. I yeah, feel like you're you're the only person that's actually gonna fucking get get it done if you want to at the end of the day. So yeah, I mean, it was fun. Like especially, I think that goes to show really well with the fidget spinners. Like I had my friends being like, "Oh, like what are you, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like why are you why aren't you why are you wasting your time with yeah. this?" And I was just like, I was making money. I was doing my thing. Like I was able to have full control over the time. I actually paid one of my friend's girlfriends who would box it up and help me with the shipping and stuff just because like I was like fuck that I don't yeah. want to do that stuff right yeah. now so and that was great for her because she was looking for a little job as well um so yeah I mean if you utilize especially social media Instagram Facebook and I you wanna, have a little we niche talk about that for, for a bit yeah for so sure. for me right say my podcast is already kicking ass right now but I want to yeah. take it to the next level where I can put myself in the position maybe for it to get to another level of success where I could weigh my options not yeah. to chance anything but sure what steps would you take if you were me just to hear uh if i was you i would go on youtube reach out to other people you find interesting kind of what you're doing and just collaborate and build influencers kind of just through influencer marketing yeah so you're gonna you know if you hit up someone that has a hundred thousand subscribers you guys do a collaboration or a 30 minute hour two hour podcast now they're all exposed to your content and you just open the door to you know maybe a thousand five thousand so youtube's a people. huge platform youtube's huge especially because people don't view it as a marketing tool they just view it as entertainment like yeah. if you're going to watch a youtube video you're going to seek out something you want to see yeah so if they find something they like it's like boom you know, now that that exposure is there. And, you know, like we were talking about before, Joe Rogan, Theo Vaughn, like the only reason I found out about Theo Vaughn was from Joe Rogan. And then from the podcast app, then yeah. literally two weeks ago, I started watching podcasts or YouTube and it's so much yeah. better because when they're laughing, you actually can see them <laughs> yeah. expressing their emotions. And it's so funny so. yeah i mean even just i use youtube red i feel like i'm the only one in the world only one I've but I, I i love I it that every I time love it. it's like skip trial it's definitely. the best dude i listen to <laughs> podcasts 24 7 when i'm walking around when yeah. i'm like doing you know more tedious like spreadsheets or stuff like that where i can concentrate on numbers and listening it's changing the game i think now is that they're not overdoing them yet i think now is the time where it's either you get in now or maybe like two years definitely might be too late to kind of build yourself up from the ground floor yeah i mean i think it's just about doing it like i think i need to continue to do it a lot more i'm glad you know to see you're doing it but i feel like with my quick spinners with the fidget spinners yeah. like it's just really about pushing it and getting it out to as many people that could be interested as possible yeah. and with social media you can do it for free and the exposure is almost unlimited it's just depending if on you how were to much put a metric willing. to it how many people do you think um it would be great to reach out to to a day on YouTube ends how much time you have for podcasts a day and what kind of people you want to it's, talk to. Cause I feel like the response rate. Yeah. Just cause it's like a cold call outreach. Maybe be like, if these guys have like thousands of subscribers, maybe like one out of every like 20, I would say, or something like that. I uh, mean, I could be totally wrong. I just don't have a YouTube. Yeah. Yet, so we'll I don't have see. really huge YouTube experience besides just sending my products out. But I think if you collaborate with people, even with 10, 20, 50,000 followers, they'll, you'll get like a 10 out of 10 response. Maybe yeah. if you hit up people yeah. that have a million, two million, five million that are yeah, constantly getting, you know, hit up for advertising and different things, that'll be harder for you to, 
maybe get in there when you begin. Yeah. But I think just reaching out to people, you know, it doesn't need to be the biggest account, but if someone has 50 to a thousand, hundred thousand followers, that's a lot of people that can, you can introduce to your stuff. So I would do that. I would do Instagram. Just hashtags are huge. Whatever they you, are, yeah. they are. Yeah. So are I have huge. someone managing my Instagram yeah. now. So yeah, which that's is great. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. would also learn how to do it yourself. It's good to have someone that can help you. I've just been off but, the. I've just been off the social yeah. media game for a couple Same. years. I mean, I don't like in my personal Instagram. I, but the is, only I don't really it, use much. Like I like to look at other I don't, stuff. I don't even like. I haven't deleted it yet, but I haven't logged on yeah. in like eleven yeah. months. So I was just like, my friend's like, yeah, I'll do it for free. Yeah, that's and, great. And, but later on you can start paying me. I was like, absolutely. So he's uh, helped me out with that now, which is yeah, great. I mean, as far as cryptocurrency and blockchain and, you know, blockchain based solutions go, Instagram isn't the best thing for me. I, that's why I've kind of been posting a ton on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, LinkedIn is um, because that's, you know, my social media platform where I can have the best and the optimum outreach to people that would want to get involved you know, financially or with consulting services, you know, or advisory services, you're not going to find the same type of outreach on Instagram that you would in LinkedIn. So it's just catered to the right audience. Like obviously you're focusing towards younger people like us. So I think Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, that's just a great way to start just chopping up your, your media and you're like just putting out tidbits. Like there's so many, every fraternity has kids that are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Either they're or say they are. T-shirt yeah. company. They're, starting their own like apparel brand, brand like I said or like selling jewel pods <laughs> or like whatever whatever that. they're fucking doing I respect yeah. the jewel pod house yeah um but it's it's just tough to build that shit up from the ground floor but I don't know if it's people aren't putting in the effort or they're just not doing it right it so it's might just, be a combination of both I think I definitely got lucky with my fidget spinners with the right entry and just posting like content people like but I mean if you stop after four months after six months and like don't let it materialize for a few years and you know put all you have into it you know I like I said with I didn't put everything I had or at least have now into the fidget spinners and looking back on it there was a lot I could change Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know just from that exposure that basic exposure I was able to generate over a hundred thousand dollars in revenue so Yeah, so I talked to a mentor of mine, and he was saying that it's really important to build your personal brand right now to differentiate yourself for when you start, like, yeah, applying for jobs. So I think this is a really great way for me to do that. I'm learning a ton, and I, I do want to go really hard for it for, like, the next couple yeah. of years. So I have to see, see, how it plays see where out. it does take <laughs> me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I said this on the last podcast, maybe a couple years ago, I probably wouldn't have been comfortable to record. I'm so down to put myself on YouTube now. But I think it just just comes with, uh, I can't even put the right words for it, maybe like confidence or whatever. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be your friends busting your balls either way. It's and so like, it's who so gives true. a fuck? Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if that's really, you know, how what you let define you, then you're holding now, it back I a mean, little bit. I mean, now I could give to Yeah, I mean, exactly. So. You're, yeah. you're killing it. Yeah. You're doing, like, you, yeah. we, you know, I'm happy we were able to get in touch and just reach out to each other. Nah, helps um, us both out, so. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you just got to do it. I think... You know, I feel like I'm talking to myself a little bit about how I can improve. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's just about exposing yourself to people in your niche. And it's so easy to do that now for free that you just got to optimize it and maximize it with, you know, five, 10 pieces of content a day, which is, you know, I don't know if you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk, but this yeah, is like yeah, of half course. of the shit I'm saying so is just what I heard from him. So he's but it's like true. revolutionizing it's so LinkedIn true. in a way. Uh, I had an entrepreneur on yesterday and he was talking about how he made like the 10 to 15 second video, video clips, a thing on yeah. LinkedIn. Now you see them yeah. everywhere. Yeah. They weren't really around before Gary Vee. Yeah. So yeah. you just, 
he's just like the king of fucking. Yeah, I mean, fans. exactly. Yeah. Building a personal brand. I mean, he's done that to establish himself as one of the best marketers. And now he's working with, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies doing all of their marketing. Yeah. Um, and he's been able to do that just by leveraging who he is as a speaker and as a person who can build brands. His, but his videos are so good. good on LinkedIn. Yeah, he's too. straightforward. He knows, yeah, I mean, he doesn't say bullshit. Um, then it's all about the execution too. Like you can listen to a thousand videos and be like, oh yeah, like this yeah. is sick. Like, yeah. But you have to actually follow through. And then and you got to follow so. through four months later too, which yeah. is like when you're not doing good or when you don't get those sales yet. And it's like, fuck. It's funny because you're, you're busy with the day during work, right? And yeah. school, but there's so many hours before class yeah. starts and after class starts, but it's a trade-off. So in my senior year, it's going to be, I didn't go to that one party with the fraternity or maybe I get a cup of coffee with someone like a mentor or somebody to sit down to, or maybe edit a podcast yeah. for a bit. So pick and choosing my battles is going to be tough. Yeah. But, I uh, mean, yeah, even if, I, how did you deal with that? Just, the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about balancing and prioritizing. So, you know, obviously making money is important. Um, but I think, you know, right now as we're young, it's kind of how we want to establish ourselves for our careers or for the future. So obviously it's important to make money, stay afloat, pay the bills, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just got to put in the time and yeah, I mean, you just got to work to be who you one day, you know, hopefully could be like, if you keep doing these podcasts and keeps growing, like, you know, that could be, that could be what you do and that, you know, that could yeah. be awesome. I mean, it's those small little like experiences, right? Not to say it's small, but your fidget spinners. Do you, yeah. yeah. But if, if that didn't happen, you think you would have. That was the catalyst. I don't know if I would be moving to Tel Aviv without fidget spinners, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So that. Really takes off. Yeah, that was a defining I, I mentioned moment this for sure. Position. Yeah, I mean, like like what you're describing with your networking, it's like it's like a snowball effect where it just continues to build and build, and as you continue to put more pressure on it, it grows. And I think that works especially well with social media marketing because a lot of it, like like people don't realize it's marketing. They go there for entertainment. They go there because they enjoy it, and then you're able to push your brand yeah. and your products yeah. to them for free. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's super easy. You can just, you know, I can, you can start a company with Shopify and, you know, a 3D printer in, in two hours. Like, you don't even have to have your own 3D printer. You can commission it. Well, no, like but you were <laughs> saying about your t-shirt company and, and yeah. you know, different referrals. Like, as your network grows and as that grows, that's going to grow exponentially. And you're going to have exponentially yeah. more opportunities. So, yeah, it's just like... The best part about this is I could sit across from somebody and just bounce ideas. And it just inspires us sitting together but i just want other people to be inspired yeah just by listening so that'd be great so someone doesn't know about crypto after they hear you they're just gonna go google shit and hopefully uh i'll make the introduction (laughs) for them to reach out to you and you can manage their money as well yeah yeah i do portfolio (laughs) management as well as what other services do you offer just uh just uh just yeah so it's blockchain and cryptocurrency based portfolio management i also do portfolio advisory as well as consulting and blockchain advisory so for blockchain based companies and startups i i help them you know with their business plan with their token economics how they're going to market it um yeah i'm kind of a jack of all trades in terms of <laughs> how i try to expose what would you myself. categorize that all under like one under uh one, fintech financial fintech. tech fintech yeah i mean awesome. i think it's kind of like how the internet uh, decentralized communication and knowledge and was able to spread it out to anyone that was willing to access it. That's hopefully what cryptocurrency can do with money and value and just be able to put it back in the hands of the consumers compared to other traditional third parties that are taking advantage or skimming off the top or just not allowing you to, you know, use programs that, 
these type of technologies will give you accessibility to. You know, mm-hmm. imagine playing Fortnite and being able to own and sell a gun that you've been working on for 50 hours and it's worth a thousand dollars. And if you have a video game where each asset is backed by a digital token, you can sell that on a decentralized marketplace or on an open marketplace to someone else that's interested. Is that an idea? No, it's already, there's multiple marketplaces like that already. Wax, um, Wax Exchange, (laughs) CSGO. I don't play these video games. I probably sound like such a dumbass. No, not at all. I mean, there's just so many different capabilities, even besides finance. Like supply chain and traceability is one of the biggest, um, you know, authentication to prove a Gucci bag is a Gucci bag with a little chip that shows the entire supply chain process, which factory it came from. And then it's validated not just by Gucci, but by third parties, by different auditors to prove yeah. you know, that it's real. There's just so many different applications that blockchain kind of unlocks for consumers uh, that third parties either took away or just weren't possible before. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next five to ten years. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested. I really enjoy learning more about it and just seeing the different capabilities where do you do most of your learning from or where do you get your material a lot of it from? is from twitter from reddit um reddit's, reddit's huge. very big youtube with crypto is hit or miss because everyone frames themselves as an expert as a thought leader so you have to yeah. do a lot of vetting a lot of your own research young innovators yeah exactly <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> So yeah. take every... That's how you were uh, saying that, like, are they actually... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, put entrepreneur in their profile on their Instagram. I love seeing that, seeing great, that on LinkedIn. But, you yeah. know, we'll see how it pans out in a few years. Hopefully it works out well, but if you just say you're an entrepreneur, that's not going to do much for you. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of depends what work and what you put into it, I guess. All right, so this is a total throwback. Yeah. Um, kind of throwback to camp Ooh, a little let's bit. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so how how many years did you I went until? to Wayne for seven years? A long okay. time. A lot of like, summers there. I was like, I was there for like nine yeah. or ten. Is that till your CIT yeah, summer? Yeah, CIT summer, and then I went um, abroad. I did like a two month abroad thing the next year. That's what I did. And too. I actually I went by myself, but I ran into a ca- a kid who went to Camp Wayne. Shout out Brandon Levine if you ever hear this. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that was really funny. Yeah, I mean, Wayne was dope. I loved camp. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved it too. So I think Daniel's last year was age group. Yeah, he didn't do CIT. Yeah, so he, yeah, he was just like, fuck this <laughs> And he wanted to <laughs> just, just try something else. Then he did that teen tour and he told me about it and I was kind of jealous. He was just in Hawaii and Alaska yeah, that was just crazy. doing all this he, crazy yeah, shit. That was a good experience for him. Yeah, <laughs> so then the next year I took the opportunity to do a summer program at UCLA. Yeah, which was like that's awesome. Really good, but... And I would get FaceTimes from like uh, Carl and like <laughs> Merrick and all those boys just like saying like, oh, we miss you at camp. But yeah, it's good to, it's good to uh, broaden your horizons. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both, you know, there's pros and cons to both. Like looking yeah. back on it, like camp, those summers are so much fun and just like, you know, just carefree. Just I you know. know, like you can do whatever you want. Kind of it's just like sports and girls. It's not. Too much it's stress. It's funny to look back that some of our counselors are actually pretty old for going back. Yeah. yeah, That's true. But, like, I don't know. Like, you should do whatever you want. If you want to go back, oh, yeah. if you want to do something else. Like, I know a lot of my friends did CIT. Do you keep in year. touch with any of those guys? Um, A little bit. Not as much as I should. We have, like, a Snapchat and, like, a Facebook group. Snapchat yeah. gets used a little more. Maybe I'll th- yeah. send them a Snapchat after this. Hell, yeah. Let's send them yeah, one. Yeah, we will. Just being, like, just recorded a cast. Yeah, <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I keep in touch a little bit, but not as much as I should, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just to wrap things up a little bit. So 
You're going to Israel next. Yeah. I want two things from you. One, this might be a tough question to answer, mm-hmm. but if you saw yourself entering your senior year of college right now, what would you do differently and how would you best prepare yourself for your chapter coming right out of school? Or advice to somebody doing going through that right now? I think depending on what you wanted to do, like for me, you know, I like I wanted to just make some money. I wanted to build my resume with this fidget spinner thing. I thought it would differentiate me a little bit as well. So I think whatever your interest is, just start pursuing it. And if you can't make money from it, just start doing it for free for as much time as you can. Um, whether it's marketing, whether it's podcasting or consulting, just reach out to people. Like you never know who's going to answer. You never know who's going to see it. And you know, that one decision really can, like, it's so funny to think about how much fidget spinners really changed everything for me, whether, you know, turning down a job and then focusing on cryptocurrency, which led me to London, which is like leading me back here to Israel. It's, that, it's, it's, it's like the butterfly. It's really crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like to think like even the year before, like I started the, the fidget spinners to think I'd be moving from London to Tel Aviv is like, that's nuts. Like I would have you know, never, you know, I would have is. never pictured myself really even living in New York or outside. Are you, are you of the Philly. only person um, in your friend group or out of your network that's doing that at your age? Um, yeah. I mean, I have one friend who is Israeli that moved back there. I have, you know, most of my friends are in New York and Philly, a few friends out West as well. But yeah, I mean, as far as living abroad, you know, I was really lucky with how I was able to work and the opportunities I have, but it's kind of just what availability you have. I mean, if that's something you can do, like I know my brother said he's interested in moving out to Denver and like, he is, he, I haven't, I'd say every time Daniel and I try to catch up, <laughs> it just never pans out. Yeah. If he, yeah. I mean, I if that's, I gotta give him a call. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You guys should yeah, catch I will. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta just. Not necessarily know what you want to do, but like if you don't commit to something, you're not going to know how it turns out or like what it leads to. Mm-hmm. So even if and you're not you, sure. What do you say to the people that doubt you? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Just go on to the next one. Yeah. They don't want to work with me. That's fine. We'll see how that yeah. works out in the end. Hopefully yeah. I'll find someone that does want to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, fuck the haters, right? Haters make yeah. me famous. So I'll reach out to as many people as I can. And if they don't want to, you know, work or collaborate or. Does that fuel you in a way? It definitely fuels me. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Rejection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, then you're just like, yeah, I mean, it adds fuel to the fire. Like you want to prove them wrong in a way you want to prove yourself right. Uh, doesn't hurt. I mean, you can get down on it, I guess, but you could also use it exactly like fuel to help you, to help you push on to the next one. So yeah, just got to keep pushing on to the next one. And then eventually that's going to be the one that makes the difference. Hell yeah. And then, uh, things up thank you harrison for coming on and um we'll catch you guys next time on the jb show yeah thanks for having me feel free to follow me on linkedin if you want to learn more about crypto or reach out to me if you're interested in learning more general crypto or i will drop your yeah. linkedin profile in the description if you don't yeah that'd be awesome yeah for those to reach out but. yeah i try and make the posts as readable as possible and it's not too long on linkedin anyway so it's just little blurbs about the most recent stuff in the crypto space but yeah thanks for having me jimmy yeah no problem